Welcome to the Dewhawk Digest, the podcast for all things Loris College. From its inception 16 years ago, Mysteries of Christmas has provided the community with a seasonal experience that combines the highest quality of music and literature in a concert format. In this episode, we look into what makes this Loris tradition an enduring favorite for audiences every year. I'm Robert Waterbury, Assistant Director of Campus Communications, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Loris's Director of Instrumental Activities, Glenn Poland, and Michael Bagby, Assistant Professor of Music and Vocal Studies. Michael, welcome to the Dewhawk Digest. Thank you for having us, Robert. It's great to be here. I'm so glad you guys are here because it's always exciting to talk about mysteries because it's such a such a significant event for the for the for Loris and uh, it's a great way to kind of kick off Christmas, right? It is, Robert. We've had a tremendous uh, response to our mysteries concert. It has grown and developed over the years into what it is now, which is really a prayerful experience leading people into the Advent season and that preparation time for the Christmas holiday itself. Choosing music and readings that we think best reflect our Catholic tradition, both instrumental music, vocal music, readings. Uh, This year we're thrilled to have one of our students, Max Rutledge, who's a senior music education major, who is, um, he's arranging one of the pieces for us, uh, the Bible Ave, Ave Maria, which uh, is going to be a spectacular piece. Dr. Bagby is also arranging a version of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which will be for congregation, wind ensemble, and choirs. So we're really uh, excited about this year, being able to showcase some of our own talent. Excellent. So um, before we get too far into it, I just wanted to mention this. So Mysteries of Christmas this year is December 9th at 7.30 in Steeple Square in downtown Dubuque. So... You've kind of given me a hint already in terms of what what that preview is, but just an overview of the event. What is Mysteries of Christmas for somebody who has not attended it before? Sure. So Mysteries is an opportunity for our campus to showcase student talent, both in ensembles, and there will be some solo moments for some of our students. As Dr. Poland had mentioned, uh, Max Rutledge is arranging the Bible Ave Maria, which to my knowledge, has never been arranged for wind ensemble. Mm. Um, But pairing that with choir is going to be spectacular, um, as well as we'll have him conduct the piece. So he's a music education senior from Waverly, and he'll be doing a student teaching in the spring. So while we'll miss him, this will be a nice send-off opportunity for him to get in front of the ensembles and gain that real-world experience while delivering our mysteries message this year which is proclaim the joyful message Um, a lot of angel themes spread throughout the concert and the readings and the whole idea is celebrating christmas yes during the advent season but while our classes are still in session students are still on campus and community is gearing up for this great um, celebration Sure. So it, it's a combination of then of the ensembles, the, the wind ensemble, the, the different choral groups, and then you also have reading. So it, it's a it's a significant. Yeah, there's a lot of pieces coming together to put this performance on. This is not just a standard concert. This is something unique and different. No, that's that's a great point, Robert. We uh, we involve campus ministry, 
in, in a way that uh, we normally do not do, so we'll have uh, various readers. This year we decided to focus on the Gospel of Luke, so all of the readings are taken from that Gospel from chapter 1 uh, through the Christmas story, and so we've got the Annunciation, and we've got the Presentation, and different readings that really... Um, stress the importance of the season that we're entering. And then as Dr. Bagby and I sit down, we try to find music that best fits those messages. So we've got an Alleluia theme. We have the angels uh, singing. We have reflective pieces that are chosen to help our audience engage with that Gospel of Luke. Okay. So how do you... What's the process in terms of finding that theme? So the, the theme is, is different every year. How do you, how did you land on this year's theme? Like, what is the, what's the process between the two of you kind of working through, like, okay, how are we going to pull this together? Yeah, I think it's uh, in part reflected by the music that we find. Um, so it's a combination of finding pieces that we think our ensembles will enjoy uh, putting together while also seeing if there's a through line that we can connect them and then adding pieces from there. Um, for instance, Tonight Eternity Alone is a piece our choirs will be presenting and it's not exactly a Christmas piece. Uh, it's based on a poem about dusk at sea, but our interpretation of it is instead of being out at sea and there's this sense of peace and calm that's in the world and there is no reason to fear. Now it's because we see the nativity scene, um, the stars in the sky, all of these themes factored in. It's the world has changed forever. Um, tonight eternity alone is near. Uh, how does that factor in? Well, Christ was born and uh, this idea of redemption this idea there's now peace in the world um, that he's bringing. So while it isn't exactly Hark the Herald Angels Sing, we can incorporate pieces that normally wouldn't be on a traditional Christmas concert. Okay. So it sounds like it's a combination of things that would be more traditional, like you said, the Hark the Herald Angels Sing, people that, songs that people would automatically connect with Christmas, but also then taking things that musical pieces that an audience may not necessarily be familiar with, let alone associate with Christmas, but the whole message all ties together. Ultimately, there's an underlying that you use that underlying theme to really put that one cohesive message together. Absolutely. And there will be pieces that the audience will, will certainly recognize. For instance, where the wind ensemble is uh, preparing a piece called a winter's carol. Well, at first glance, well, we all know what a carol is, but a winter's carol um, in this uh, version, is based upon O Come Emmanuel, which standard Advent hymn. There's another piece we're doing, it's called Festivity, and it is based on Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, which I think many in our audience will recognize that, um, that hymn tune. There's another one all about coming to Bethlehem, where the title, Fantasia on Kingsfold, might be unfamiliar to people. I think once they hear the melody, they go, oh, I know that song. And so we certainly do try to mix in um, more maybe obscure pieces with certainly traditional carols that people will recognize. Okay. So, and that's kind of where kind of 
the, the, the thing, obviously the songs that everybody recognizes, they recognize as Christmas, but the, the song you mentioned, Michael, earlier, that is not necessarily a Christmas song. Is that where the kind of the, the readings come into play to really kind of, you've got the music, but the readings really kind of, they emphasize each other. The, the readings and the music just kind of go hand in hand to, to pull it together. Exactly. And I also think there's something to be said of a performer's interpretation. Uh, we spent a little time in rehearsal just a couple days ago going around the room listing off the words that stood out to each student um, and what they connected with uh, the idea of nature, um, peace, uh, confidence in I don't know, faith or optimism. So there's a lot of themes that were buried in this piece that we just try to bring out even more to connect it with that nativity scene. And of course, I mean, who can't resist, who can resist from singing Silent Night at the end as we do every year? Mm -hmm. So as Dr. Poland said, there'll be lots of themes that are very noticeable. But yes, the readings do help and our interpretation, hopefully uh, our delivery will also do the same. Sure. So when you, 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 you mentioned the practice, I mean, this is, there's a lot of moving parts to this <laughs> between the different, the different ensembles, the different choirs, the readings, all the, what is the, what goes into make the, the practices and the rehearsals to make this all work? Well, it, it, it is quite a process. Uh, we both start uh, immediately after our fall concerts are over. I mean, choosing literature starts way back in July. But as we finish a fall concert, we're immediately into preparation for mysteries. And it's, uh, it takes a lot of coordination on everyone's part, not just Michael and I, but campus ministry, of course, campus facilities, and just organizing schedules, making sure that we move equipment on time. We found that Steeple Square is a wonderful venue for us, a beautiful, beautiful setting that um, we just started uh, having Mysteries of Christmas there. I believe this will be our third year at Steeple Square. Uh, so there's a lot of coordination of many parts, as you said, from making sure we have greeters and ushers to, uh, you know, getting the music ready, but set up and coordination so that when we rehearse in the days right up until the 9th, um, all our students are down at Steeple Square for dress rehearsals, and that means balancing the choir with the wind ensembles so that everything can be heard. Um, because we are also going to be live streaming the concert again, there is that set up. And luckily, we've got some incredible students that know a lot about live streaming. You know, since the pandemic, we found that this is a great way to um, engage audiences that maybe can't attend the live event, of parents with students involved that are hundreds of miles away. So that takes an awful lot of coordination as well. Okay. So with the, the students performing this music specifically for this event, obviously you have the other concerts throughout the year. This is very unique and different. I mean, there's, there's a message behind this. Do you find in terms of the, the students themselves, are they, are they connecting with the music in a different way? Or is there um, something about between the time they start practice or the rehearsals to the time that the, the performance happens, is there something kind of transitioning in them to really find a piece, of, at least part of this performance that they really can sink their teeth into and connect with? I think that the timing of it is 
difficult to navigate because they're coming to the end of the semester. Uh, for better or for worse, you know, as professors, we're assigning things due before the break, due after the break. So it can be a little bit of a stressful time for students in this college setting. But at the same time, they get to come to our rehearsals and it's a creative outlet for them. So while at least my experience has been they might not be as focused in some of these rehearsals, they're definitely wanting to be there. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, that they understand the purpose of Mysteries of Christmas. It's not just a concert, but a time for preparation, for uh, reflection, for uh, engaging an audience, not just through their listening, but through active participation. Many of our concerts, we don't have audiences singing with us. Mm -hmm. So this is a chance for the community to make some music together, to come together as from all walks of life and participate in a prayerful event that hopefully gives them uh, a sense of the calm and the peace that uh, Michael talked about. And I think our students... The, especially as they've come here and, and been part of this for two, three, or you know maybe only one year, but this is their second time through it, they understand the importance of this concert, that it is more than a oral listening exercise. It is active engagement. And when we play a piece um, such as uh, we're doing a, a piece by Sam Hazo, just a wonderful composer, it's called Alleluia, and yet there's just a few notes that they might recognize from uh, different hymns with the Alleluia refrain, uh, a very reflective piece that they have to be engaged with it. And so we, we try to reach out to our audience in a little bit different way with this concert. Um, quiet, reflective time for them to hear the reading and then our interpretation, musical interpretation of that reading. So it's a very interconnected type of event for us. Sure. So is there, and you, them practicing in mid November or doing the rehearsals in mid November is drastically different than doing the rehearsals the week of because you're you're much further along. And the timing of the year, I mean, it really is those three weeks makes a huge difference. You know, when you're already in, you're really in the Christmas season, or for some people, that's the kickoff. That's what kind of sets the mood so they have plenty of time to connect to that music it's not just you know the, the fall fall concerts end and like okay well on to the next one it's you're not really in that that mood for advent or for christmas but given enough time they, they they'll find their way to connect to the, the pieces i think there's something to be said that you go out in the stores and even well before halloween you already hear the christmas tunes and so uh Bringing this back into the more sacred setting, uh, Steeple Square is so beautiful, as Glenn had mentioned, Old St. Mary's Church, um, I think just puts it back in perspective of being in the midst of Advent and that special time of year when families are able to get back together. Um, I used to work in campus ministry here at Loris, and it was really hard for me to celebrate the season of Advent and then send them off to go celebrate Christmas because part of me wanted to have them here on our campus, here in these spaces to celebrate together. But mm -hmm. there's something truly beautiful about um, this last opportunity for our music program to get bef together before the semester is over with. 
before the stress of finals week um, and before they take off for home to have this, as Glenn said, community engagement piece. Sure. And this is kind of a unique, in terms of the music program, this is a unique uh, performance in and of itself as it directly ties to our Catholic our Catholic institution, our, our Catholic identity. And does that really resonate more with you and the students when the performance comes around? Well, I think it does, Robert. And one of the things that we've just been uh, a wonderful side effect of moving out of the visitation this past fall is rehearsing in St. Joseph Chapel in Hoffman Hall. It is a sacred space. And so throughout the fall when we're doing more secular music, maybe uh, for, for concerts, the minute I start handing out Mysteries of Christmas music, there is a sense of the students recognize that we're now preparing for a much different type of concert, and being able to rehearse in St. Joseph Chapel now um, adds to that atmosphere, and they're ready for Advent music. They're ready for Christmas music. They're ready to have this event, and many of them come to our rehearsals after a trying academic day and realize that what we do is different. So they bring an attitude that's ready to experience this kind of event. Okay. Um, is there any part of this performance that you guys have each been involved with, with Mysteries now for uh, multiple years? So is there anything that each of you looks forward to or is really kind of anticipates the most when, this, when Mysteries comes around? I think for me, uh, it's an opportunity to hear, uh, for instance, our organist and pianist Don Dominic Nellieu, uh play the prelude music. And when that clock's chiming 7.30, um, it's just a truly spectacular moment. So I love the buildup of it. There's the opportunity to hear the beautiful organ prelude music while everyone's being seated, tickets are being purchased, finding seats. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's kind of the calm before the joy. Mm -hmm. And that ties in so well with our theme this year of Proclaim the Joyful Message. I'm not sure that everyone has sung that hymn before, but it's this wonderful refrain, Proclaim the Joyful Message. And that uh, I think I first heard it with a children's choir years ago, but it always struck me as one of the most um, just kind of exciting processional pieces. So we'll have the, uh, uh, the congregation, the audience can join in on the refrain. The verses are, are very meaningful, and yet that's just a wonderful kickoff into what are we going to experience tonight? Well, you are going to experience us as musicians, but also you as an audience proclaiming this joyful message. So I think our theme this year in using the Gospel of Luke just magically works again this year. Yeah, you just found a way Kind of keep finding that message and wait and bring it all together. Yeah, so mm -hmm. after Mysteries is over, obviously it's a, you mentioned it, uh, Michael, that this is the final performance for the music students this calendar year, but that's not the end of their performances for this academic year. Once the calendar flips over to 2023, there's still plenty on the schedule. For, so I, I wanted to give a quick rundown So um, of, of the major things that are listed right now. March 18th, we have the, the, the Wind and Jazz Ensemble concert. 
March 31st, we have the choir concert. Um, in early May, there'll also be the spring jazz concert. And May 13th will be the final concert of the year, the annual concert to, to wrap up the year. So there's still plenty of uh, music to be enjoyed, even after Mysteries is, is over. Well, thank you, Robert, for... for um Thank you, Robert, for announcing those things. Um, we're going to add to that a little bit. Fantastic. On Tuesday, December 13th, which is during finals week, uh, the jazz ensemble and our Duha Capella vocal ensemble and perhaps a guest performance uh, will be down at Seven Hills um, in, their, uh, in their main uh, eating area. But we're going to have like a Christmas jazz event. Uh, we just got that scheduled within the last couple days, so it wasn't on the schedule, but we're looking forward to that. And then a brand new event. Um, we've, uh, for 13 or 14 years, we've hosted a Loris College Honor Band, but we are really excited to announce today that we're also going to have a Loris College Honors Choir, okay. and that is going to be on... Friday, January 13th. And so Dr. Bagby is working hard now on getting invitations out to the local high schools. Um, for the honor band, we have students coming as far from Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois. A couple from Nebraska have joined us. So this will be our opportunity to also reach out to those same high schools and others saying, hey, we're also going to offer a new event this year. So a couple of additions to your List. Well, that's outstanding. I'm, I'm glad I can be proven wrong for uh, <laughs> the excuse that we have more more performances and more ways to uh, to share out the wonderful music that uh, that the students can perform for us. So that's great. Um, I would do want to kind of circle back one more time, just kind of let everybody know that Mysteries of Christmas will be performed on December 9th at 7:30 at Steeple Square in downtown Dubuque. Tickets uh, can be purchased at the door or in advance if you want to check. They're not available quite yet, but um, keep checking back at loris.edu/mysteries. You will actually find the link to to purchase tickets. And Michael, the you, I think you mentioned beforehand that tickets are ten dollars at the door. Yes, ten dollars at the door, and we invite you to bring children. They get in free. We love to have families there, um, grandchildren. So please invite anyone you think would be interested in, like we said, hearing some of those traditional tunes, but also some beautiful new arrangements of uh, band and choir pieces. Okay, wonderful. Really looking forward to it. So thank you guys for all your hard work in putting this together and all the work you guys do throughout the year. But uh, Glenn Pohl and Michael Bagby, thank you so much for stopping in, taking time. I know you're busy. So to be able to sit down and chat with me, I appreciate it and kind of share uh, some back behind the scenes stuff on uh, Mysteries of Christmas. And thank you, Robert, for having us here this afternoon. Thank Absolutely. you. Go do Hawks. Go do Hawks. Well, here, you beat me to the punch. That's my, that's my clothes, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you to everyone who listened into our discussion. For more Loris podcasts, news, and features, visit daily.loris.edu. We hope you enjoyed our conversation and will join us again for another episode of the Dewhawk Digest. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other. And as Michael said, go do Hawks. Go do Hawks.